Happy Wednesday, Women of Strength. It is Julie and Megan, and we have Jill with us today. She's in Canada, and we cannot wait to hear not only her stories, but we want to dive in a little bit more on birth coaching and something that she has gone into during her journey. She actually she has three kids. Um, she had a C-section and then two V-backs, and we can't wait to hear that story. And then she is a certified birth coach um, and a birth doula. And so we're really excited to hear more about the coaching and what that entails and how we all can learn more. Because I know as a doula, for me, I think that that would be something really fun to add to What's the word? My resume, I guess. Your <laughs> offerings. My, my offerings and my um, skills. So I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. And yeah, so Julie has a review of the week, so we'll turn the time over to her. So I'm Julie, and I have a review of the week, and I'm also interested in learning about birth coaching. <laughs> you know, I think I'm just really excited. Anyways, I'm not going to start asking questions now because it's the very beginning of the episode, but at the end, we might just pick your brain a little bit, Jill. All right. This review is from Apple Podcasts, and the reviewer name is Cux. It's K-H-U-X-X, Cux, maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. know how to say that. <laughs> Cux, I don't know. Okay, all right. Anyways, the review's name is Success, and Cux says, this podcast helped me in so many ways. I had my feedback baby in the early morning on Thanksgiving, four days past my due date. I was religiously listening to this podcast in those three days leading up to labor as I felt my chances of my perfect labor were being ripped away. Putting my headphones and pushing play on the VBAC link when I would start to doubt my ability, my whole pregnancy was honestly my lifesaver. I told my midwives this was helping me stay positive and I recommend it to everyone. Thank you so much for creating the perfect podcast for all pregnant moms, not just moms wanting a VBAC. If I would have known about this with my first, maybe the outcome would have been different. Thank you so much, Cooks, for that review. And gosh, we were just talking about that um, before we started recording. Like we wish this would have been around when we were having babies and Jill, same thing was, so it was, uh, I don't know, it just always makes you feel really good when we hear that we're helping people and that our stories that we share on the podcast are helping others as well. And so thank you, Jill, for sharing your story today. And thank you to everybody who's ever shared their story on our podcast and in our Facebook community and on our Instagram stories. We, we wouldn't be the VBAC link without every single one of you. So thank you. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link Podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. This episode is brought to you by Nourisher. Formerly known as Milkful Nursing Bars, the company is rebranded and expanded to bring you new bars, new flavors to meet 
all of your needs throughout the motherhood journey. Nourisher products are made to nourish her. Each of the products are super nutrient dense while still being very tasty snack that moms can look forward to. Their delicious flavors include blueberry coconut, chocolate banana, maple walnut, papaya turmeric, spirulina ginger, and strawberry rosehip. Let's talk about flavor. My favorite guys, strawberry rosehip, hands down. Not only are these bars delicious and tasty, but they have amazing benefits for both you and your baby in the pre and postnatal stages. They increase your energy. They support tissue repair and brain building. They improve gut health with fiber, probiotics, and healthy fats. They give you a nutritional lift from sprouted grains and seeds that provide essential nutrients. They are packed with superfoods like turmeric, spirulina, and rosehip to support a healthy immune system and reduce inflammation throughout the pregnancy and postpartum stages. Go ahead and give Nourisher a try. That's N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-R, Nourisher. You can get right to them by clicking the link in our show notes or going to the vbacklink.com slash go slash Nourisher. That's the vbacklink.com slash G-O slash N-O-U-R-I-S-H-E-R. Give them a try. You will not regret it. Okay, you guys. It's Podcast Wednesday, and Jill has an awesome episode for you. So, Jill, we're going to turn the time over to you to share your amazing stories and then let us pick your brain at the end. Great. Thank you so much, Julie and Megan. Thanks for having me. So I am a VBAC mom. I had my first child in 2009 and I didn't real I didn't have a doula. I didn't really have a birth team set up. I just kind of went into it uh see how it goes kind of thing. I felt like an absolute goddess being pregnant. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But I just always felt really deflated every time I left my prenatal appointments with my obstetrician. I just felt like it was just so run-of-the-mill. It was just so, um, you know, going through the motions. And I just always felt really sad afterwards. I thought, hey, I feel really great. You know, I feel like I'm glowing. I feel amazing. And, you know, I just was like, and I, if I had a doula or if I had somebody to talk to and download about it afterwards I think um, that would have just felt really nurturing to me so yeah I just kind of went along and um, my pregnancy was actually really great I was healthy I was strong you know I felt never considered that I would have a c-section and uh, you know I remember going through the hospital for the tour and you know The last stop was the operating room to just kind of show us um, expectant moms like where it is and and things like that. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll look at it, but there's no way. I'm just not going to have one. I, I, you know, my mother didn't have one. My grandmother had 10 babies and I just thought it's not, it's not happening. So I didn't have any information about how to prepare for C-section, you know. And something too is um, a lot of the times in these prenatals, there really isn't any education given on C-sections. And so first-time moms, they're going in to have this baby and they've never even, they've heard about a C-section, but they don't really know what it entails, you know? So that's also something I think that could be added to prenatal care. Yes, I think so for sure. And and, uh, based on conversations that I've had with women throughout the years, it's the same thing. Like at least to have had it 
you know, as part of the prenatal. That would have been helpful for sure. I guess I can just skip to the birth. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty, you know, uneventful pregnancy. It was, it was fine. Um, but then, so my baby was late. So first time around when you have, a, you know, you go over the 40 week mark, it's like, oh my gosh, like, when is this going to happen? Right. So I did end up going into spontaneous labor at 41 weeks. It was, you know, we kind of, we just had my in-laws arrive from, uh, from Scotland. They had planned their trip to come for when the baby was born. <laughs> and since baby was late, they showed up on the day that I started going into labor. So I had a house full of visitors. So yeah, so I, I started in the middle of the night feeling the, that kind of early niggling, you know, the early signs of labor and, um, you know, I did some of the things that I learned in my prenatal classes, you know, moving around when I can, trying to lie down when it felt comfortable. I ran a bath, I sat in the bath for a little while, and then the contractions just started to get a little bit intense. So my husband and I decided to go into the hospital, which was just around the corner, so really close. When I got checked in uh, to triage, the part that always sticks out in my head was the the nurse that was there didn't look at me, just kind of was head down and, and she said, are you having an epidural? I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, you don't need one, but if you don't get one now, then the anesthesiologist might be busy. So I would suggest that you say yes. Oh um, my gosh. I hate uh, it when they do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it's a added pressure in a vulnerable moment. And mm. even if you didn't plan on that, you feel vulnerable and like, well, why, what if I end up wanting one? And then they're not, you know, like they're not here. And that's just, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Right. And, um, and there was another woman that was laboring in the room and she, you know, it's quite intimidating. Like I could hear her, you know, she was, pretty close, I think, to giving birth. And um, the nurse then said, so that woman there, that's not her first baby. And she's, you can hear that she's going through some painful labor contractions. So if she's feeling pain, then what do you think you're going to feel? <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So in oh that moment, I, I know, I nurses, know. Like, okay. Labor and delivery nurses, I don't think they mean ill intent when they say these, thing, these things. I think they're really trying to be helpful, but I think there should be a class about like tact in the birth room. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. But like, I've heard things like that in the birth. Like, what are you supposed to say as a parent and your first time mom? Like, it's just so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. So all of those things kind of led to me getting an epidural, but I was only at four centimeters. So knowing what I know now, <laughs> I was quite early. But for me at that stage, it felt really painful. I've never felt anything like that before. So it felt like, oh, yeah, I, I want this pain to go away. I want to be more comfortable. And so I got that epidural administered and then was hooked up to, you know, the IV and the machines and, and all the things. So I was uh, kind of strapped in and, and lying down on my back. And uh, I mean, it's kind of from there just I continually I was progressing and I did dilate and I don't I don't have the the notes with me right now but uh, just I guess long story short is um, eventually 
I got to the point where baby was going into distress. So then they had to insert that, that fetal monitor like on the scalp. FS, an FSC, fetal scalp electrode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was what? Like, you're like, you're going to do what? Okay. I know. So it's just one of those, like, I just felt like kind of a rag doll. Like at the beginning when, when the epidural was administered and it worked really well, you know, for some women it doesn't work well and they still feel the, the contractions, but I just, I felt nothing. I thought, Oh, Oh, this is cool. I'm just going to lie here. And then the baby's going to come. Wow. But, <laughs> but I, I had just had no idea. And then as then there was just more kind of interventions. Like there was the fetal monitor and then baby was in distress and then they were giving me oxygen. And then there were, you know, several docs, doctors and, and students and nurses and more students coming to observe me. And that moment is just so clear in my mind when I'm lying in the bed with the oxygen mask. And I had, I feels like like eight people surrounding me. And I'm like freaking out. And my husband's there like, I think it's okay. But we're like, I don't know, like what's going on, right? So that was quite scary. But I did get to the point where I was 10 centimeters and then um, was able to push. So it was, you know, with directed pushing. But again, I didn't feel anything. So I just was going based on what the labor and delivery nurses were telling me to do as my feet were, you know, up in stirrups and still lying on my back. So spent hours doing that. And then eventually they were able to lift me up and kind of put me over one of those bars where I was in a way like sitting upright to try and get some uh, gravity on my side. Um, but it, it, then they started talking about C-section at that point because I was pushing for about two hours and because he was in distress. And then I, I just, I kept asking for more time. So I asked for another hour. And, and then after that third hour, they could see his head. And I remember them bringing a mirror and you could see the head, which, um, but it was, he wasn't far enough down that they could use um, any other you know, a vacuum or forceps. So then that led to that moment where I had to sign off for surgery. And, uh, you know, I still feel quite emotional, like just remembering. It's a hard moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, so then wheeled into for surgery. And, uh, you know, I think as C-section moms, we all know that, uh, that feeling of that that feels really cold when you go into that operating room and yep. um, everything's very quiet and very eerie and everybody's all in their full scrubs and it's a scary place. So uh, yeah, so I was I was like shaking at that point. Like I think there's something about um, the drugs that they administer to you and then they have to strap your arms down. And I remember shaking, I was just shaking and felt very nauseous. But then when they did the surgery, it was quite uh, a weird feeling because he was, because my son was descending down the birth canal, they actually had to like pull him out, like, you know, and so his head came out like in that cone kind of way because he was, yeah, you oh. know. Poor baby, yeah. poor mommy. Yeah, yeah. Have to, like recover from a vaginal birth and a cesarean, kind of at that point. It, it was almost that way, right? 
Yeah. And then uh, he was very large. You know, he was nine pounds, four ounces. You know, knowing what I know now, birthing a nine pound, four ounce baby on your back <laughs> for 18 hours, right? Hard. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't so allow a if, lot of room for baby to get down in the right spot. That's right. And so, you know, I, I didn't really know much about birth until after that moment. And I did my research and I was like, what was that? Why did that happen? You know, then I, 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 I blamed myself a lot. And I went through a lot of really negative emotions. Like I, I felt I felt very disappointed. I felt ashamed. I felt really ashamed. I just didn't expect that I would have a C-section and I just didn't like that I felt ashamed to tell people that. You know, it was it was really confusing. A really just a, a, a crazy start to motherhood. And and I just absolutely adored my son and we were so, you know, we thankfully we bonded well with breastfeeding and skin to skin and but I just you know, remember those nights that I stayed in the hospital and just been like, what, what happened? <laughs> you know, it just was really um, quite traumatic. Yeah, so then kind of speeding through that, but, you know, there's lots of other details, but I think that's mainly the, the gist of it. But I like um, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after that, that just really drove me to research and research and and find out why and I got a hold of my records of my birth and to find out like what actually happened what led to it mm -hmm. which is um, such a good idea to do it's really yeah. it's really important to get those records we encourage all of our personal clients to do that yeah, I found it really helpful. And then you can you can research and find out what all these terms mean. Like in the moment, you're not you're not absorbing any of the the terminology that they're throwing at you, you know. You're just scared. I think I think that the, there's the shock that takes over you and you just you just can't absorb anything. Like you you're not taking in any even like in a straightforward labor, you're not taking in information. So, yeah, so I did a lot of work you know, w with the resources that were available <laughs> at the time. So it was 2009. I ended up stumbling into home birth, <laughs> which is, it wasn't really anything I, I would ever have thought I would get into. You know, I, I didn't know anybody who had home births. I actually was quite intimidated by the thought of a home birth, but my research kind of led me there. So I, I started to really kind of get into that world, which you probably know is, you know, quite a, an interesting place to be and a lot to learn there. And so I guess that's kind of what led me to want to be a doula because then, you know, I'm reading all these amazing books and, you know, written by midwives. And I thought, Hey, you know, I would love to be able to support somebody the way you would have that, been able to support be supported. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Oh, I know exactly what I would have done for myself. Back uh -huh. then. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that was part of my healing too. Is that like I said earlier, is I really beat myself up a lot. I think it's so common for so many moms, right? Who have unplanned um, C-sections or planned C-sections as well. But then as I did my research and I learned more, I started to forgive myself. I'm like, well, I did the best I, I could with what I had. And I didn't know anything about epidural other than it takes away the pain of labor. So I'm like, well, how that can't be bad. 
So, you know, but after I learned what I, what I did in my doula um, training, I'm like, oh, so maybe four centimeters was a bit early. If I had somebody there to support me for a few more hours, you know, to get to maybe seven or eight centimeters, that maybe the epidural would have been a great thing for me. So I was able to slowly heal from some of that negativity that I was holding on to and that shame and that disappointment. And I, and I could see my C-section as the catalyst for change in my life that helped to guide me towards earth work. So I, uh, I'm thankful for it in that way. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. That's kind of the same. Like, I mean, I had had two C-sections before I landed into the birth world, but even though they were not my desired birth, like they both C-sections were the, my desired choice or whatever, I wouldn't have changed anything because it led me to where I am today. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You cool. can, uh, you can all relate there. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, so then for my VBAC birth, um, so my first VBAC, I kind of waited 18 months because that was the recommended time. I don't know if there is one recommended time, but for me, the 18 month uh, wait after my first C-section to wait 18 months to then try to get pregnant for my second child. So I, I, I did that. And then, you know, thankfully we, we got pregnant easily. So I set myself up right away with midwives. So in, in Canada, we have public health care system, so, which is great, but also <laughs> stressful because you have to get your care provider like the day you pee on the stick. Like yep. you cannot mess around. So I got myself into a really great midwifery practice Right from the beginning. And so I was planning a home birth. I felt that was the most, uh, the best place for me. And the midwives at this practice were supportive and actually really loved working with VBAC moms. So I was in really, really good hands. So just the way life goes, my husband uh, got transferred to Melbourne, Australia for work. So when I was six months pregnant, with oh my, my second child, I know, we moved to Australia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love Australia, but what a horrible time to move to a whole nother country. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we had actually been there already, like kind of temporarily before my pregnancy. And then we came home for a bit. And then, so I knew it was coming, like, um, so it wasn't completely out of the blue at that point, but I did had to navigate, I had to navigate a completely different healthcare system there in Australia. Yeah, I was going to say, so. Australia is completely different for Syrian and VBAC and just birth in general. And it's a completely different mindset, even just from the United States and, and different parts of Australia have different birth cultures as well. It's something that I've been interested in learning more about, actually. And mm -hmm. one day, me and Megan, when we upgrade our VBAC link van to a VBAC link jet, we're dreaming really big right now. <laughs> a jet? Um, yeah, we're going to have yeah. a VBAC link jet and then fly okay. to Australia and all figure right. out Australia, birth world, VBAC, cesareans, all of that. And maybe we'll go do listen people in the outback. That would be awesome. Right? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm dreaming big. This is like yeah, well, down the road if we're still kicking around. <laughs> that's, that's great to I mean, dream big. Megan's shaking her head. I'm okay. going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> with your story. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's actually, I mean, I've never lived in the States, but I could imagine Australia's system to be like a mixture of the States and Canada because they do have public healthcare and private. So it's kind of a nice little hybrid, but uh, which was good for us because we weren't residents of Australia. So public health care, we still had to pay for anyway. So we actually went private and I actually hired private midwives because the midwives there at that point weren't covered under public health care, just the way that they are in Canada. So, so yeah, I had, you know, I found some great midwives supporting my VBAC home birth. Yeah, everything was great, you know, totally crazy that we just now live down under, but we were in Melbourne and it was a great city and I was in good hands. My husband took a little bit more time to get adjusted to the home birth. He's like, what? (laughs) But uh, we managed to come to an agreement. And um, so, yeah, planned the home birth. And then uh, there was a concern that I had a front-lying placenta early on in the pregnancy. So I just needed to get a little ultrasound at about 36 weeks to just check on that. And so then I got some more interesting news at that ultrasound, which was that my baby was breech. Oh, so yeah. That, always, not always on. a fun thing to find out. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's a struggle. And that's the thing about, you know, for, for, I mean, for my experience with second child, I went to that ultrasound by myself and my, my husband was, you know, at the pool with my son, you know, it's like, oh, it's all good. Yeah, you go play with him and I'll go to the ultrasound and I'll meet you later. Oh God, could I have used somebody there with me? I obviously did not expect that either. It's like breach, what? So then I was a complete hot mess after finding that out. But my midwives were totally cool and they were like, that's okay. Like you're only 36 weeks. Lots of babies are breached. They move around, they do somersaults, they go all around. It's like, it's no big deal. And they were able to help me calm down and explore options and... So then I was into a whole other level of, you know, not just VBAC, I was then looking into breach, which is a little bit more frightening when you look on the internet about breach birth. And this was in 2011 Mm -hmm. when breach was considered very high risk and almost always a C-section. So I was, yeah, I was quite devastated because this was me Like, I'm like, oh no, I'm not having, I was just so scared of having another C-section. So I did all of the things, um, like the spinning babies, all of the, like I was lying down every day with like my ironing board propped up on my couch and you lie down on your back with your head down and your feet up. The breech tilt, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lots of hands and knees doing all the kind of, cat cow hands and knee positions I did everything I did I did handstands in the pool which got me some pretty weird looks (laughs) uh at the public pool you know and I did chiropractic care specifically for breach I did moxibustion like an acupuncture uh Mm -hmm. procedure where they put these needles in your pinky toes and then they have this kind of charcoal kind of cigar lit thing that like lights up and heats up the needle on your toes like I did all the things and she she was not having it 
So she remained in the breach breach position. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's frustrating but, but, after you do all of that work. <laughs> I know, but I did. But I ended up like you know, like I said, the private public system. So that actually worked in my favor because I ended up um, getting in with an obstetrician in Melbourne who specializes in high risk. So which uh, you know he he does breaches, twins, VBACs. That's so, awesome. yeah, so he took me on as one of his patients and he was really great. And I still had my midwives too, but they weren't able to be my primary care providers um, in the hospital because of the breach. So it was more like she was a doula to me, which, um, which was really great too. So, yeah, so with breaches, I guess, well, the rule was for my obstetrician is that eight hour labor or less, but if it goes over eight hours, then there's probably something going on. So then. Oh, well, that's not fair. <laughs> labors are longer than eight hours. <laughs> yeah. So that was scary. Right. And no epidural. Um, there was a bunch of other, other rules, but yeah, eight hours, that was the limit. So yeah. So I, she was late too. So she was about six days overdue. I started to feel the kind of discomfort in the evening. I went to bed, um, woke up at, I don't know, sometime in the middle of the night, like between midnight and two o'clock. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get up now. And, you know, we're going to move around. And my husband was making me oatmeal, you know, all these lovely things that we called the midwife to let her know that I was starting to feel the early stages of labor. And then literally, (laughs) literally, I think it was, okay, so by about three o'clock, it was like, I said, okay, so my husband, you have to call the midwife now. And, and so she was asking him, okay, ask Jill to rate between one and 10, the intensity of the contractions. And it was literally seven. Okay. No eight. Okay. No nine, no 10. And it just came that quickly. And I I got in the shower and then interestingly enough, there was meconium coming out of me because my baby was in the breech position. So bummed down. So the, yeah, the so that way pressure, baby doesn't get aspirated though, because <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's just, yeah, crazy. it's like, it's, it's crazy. Right. So I was like, oh, that was freaky. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, so then we still had to get to the hospital cause I wasn't having that home birth. Right. So it, it was very fast. So that was three o'clock in the morning. And then we had to rush off to the hospital and, I was that woman, like, like no seatbelt. Like I was like holding myself up with my hands, like my arms fully straight, like just like this baby's coming. Like it was, she was coming. And then when we got into the, to the maternity ward, the nurses uh, welcomed me and, and they just, I remember them talking to me so sweetly saying, Oh, it's okay, honey. You're just having a contraction. I'm like, ah, yeah. Okay. So then when they checked me, the bum and the legs were coming. They were coming. And so they had to get me to wait until the obstetrician came because she was breached. So they had to wait for him to come. So he lived, you know, about five minutes drive away. So we had all the the breathing and looking deep into my eyes. And <laughs> I think everybody was a bit panicked. But by the time this was, sorry, this was this was two hours. So this was a two hour labor. So it started at about three Holy and then cow. by, yeah. Yeah. So about five fifteen in the morning, 
I was directed to push. I really wanted to stand up. That's it. That's the only thing that was my, that was my urge to stand up, but I did have to go on the bed, but everything was moving. Everything was coming anyway. So it, it didn't really make a difference. But I think for me with my first birth, I just was like, I don't want to lie down, but, but yeah, so she was born, you know, bum first, then legs kind of popping out and it's, and then that you see like the body is there and the head is still the last to birth right so then when when she was born and they placed her on my body she was upside down right so then it was the feet up at my chest and so then <laughs> yeah never thought of that <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the way she was born that's yeah. awesome I don't think so. I realized that your second was like your first feedback was breach yeah I don't think yeah. I realized that that's awesome yeah yeah so she was a breach bubby and so that was um that was that birth and uh it was a like i it was a healing birth for me you know it was a stressful birth like the lead up to it with with it being v-back and with being breech but i i could see what my body was capable of you know and i think that's what really healed me and and i was quite surprised as well with how quick the labor was just the two hours really yeah, really that's quick. super fast for a, mm-hmm. for a first time vaginal birth and for a breech baby. That's mm-hmm. that's super speedy, as my four year old would say. Super speedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because I think the personalities shine through, right? So my daughter now is going to be nine, and I'm like, oh, of course you were born breech. Of course you were born the complete opposite to most. I agree one hundred percent with that sentiment. I really do. <laughs> she and she's our cannonball. Like she just bursts into the scene all the time. I'm like, well, that's how you were born. Like, okay, it makes sense. And then my son, who was the C-section, we have to drag him out everywhere. So I'm like, oh yeah, you wanted to stay. You were good. You didn't. <laughs> we have to pull you out. And that's so funny how they all just like fit their births, like their personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So then uh for my third birth, we had been uh we'd been we stayed in Australia for a couple more years after that. It's almost three years after my daughter was born, and then we got transferred back to Canada, but to a completely different part of Canada and as you know, Canada is a huge country. So I was then home, kind of, but still like a four-hour plane ride from my home. So still quite, you know, foreign, <laughs> but seeing healthcare system and, and things like that. So I uh, planned a home birth again for, for my third birth and had really amazing midwives again and very supportive and really, really loved working with feedback uh, moms and I think I always like shock people when I tell them about my birth story of my second child they're like hold on what a v-back and a breach okay wow and then they knew about you know me having a really quick labor for my second child so they're like okay so you know we're just we're ex- expecting another quick labor so my uh for my third birth so she went and completely surprised me and, and came 10 days early so I, I thought I had my first was seven days late. My second was six. So I thought she was going to be five days late. I don't know. I just couldn't uh, think of any other way. But she was 10 days early. I'm like, all right. So completely different scenario. So we have two kids now, almost six and, and three, and uh, planning a home birth. So we didn't have anywhere to go. So um, 
it was Easter Sunday, so we did the Easter egg hunt in the morning. And uh, at about 10 o'clock in the morning, I said, hey, I think, you know, I think maybe could you send the kids over um, to the neighbor's to play because I, I think, you know, I because I thought I might like to have my kids there for the birth, you know, it's all lovely and everything. But then when I got down to it, I said, I think I need to just not have to think about that. So let's just send them over to the neighbors. Just kind of to have some space and, um, and contractions got pretty intense at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And I was just pacing up and down in, in my my bathroom. Again, similar to the first birth, you know, I said contractions are getting pretty intense. I said to my husband, you better call the midwife. And uh, the midwife was like, well, what's going on? And literally, as she was on the phone, my body just couldn't help itself. And just, just, it, I just went straight into pushing. And so my husband was there on the phone. Wow. <laughs> I know. And, and he had had a shower earlier and left his towels on the floor, which, you know, we, we get so upset with our husbands for doing stuff like that. But I'm like, oh, wow. So you left the towels on the floor. And that is where our daughter was born, just right on those towels in the bathroom. Oh, my um, goodness. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. With the midwife on the phone. And, and she was able to hear that first cry. So she knew it was good. You know, she didn't have to call the ambulance or anything like that. And she just said, I'm going to be over as soon as I can. She was just coming from the hospital for another birth, just about 10 minutes away. So, so she came and showed up and she was so, I mean, she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. She was so cool. She was so calm. She was so like, oh, everything's great. This is like, everything's fine. And, you know, then she, she ran my bath for me and, and I had, you know, I had my daughter with me and, and the placenta was still attached. I still hadn't birthed the placenta yet. And, and she guided me through that. And um, it was just like amazing. Like it was a, another very healing experience for me. Very shocking. <laughs> um, Sounds amazing though. Mm-hmm. Sounds like yeah. a lot, but amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So unplanned, right? Not uh, not expecting for that. That was a, right. an, a one hour labor, like from oh from start gosh. to finish. So you yeah. have an amazing cervix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cervix is like, listen, I am ready, and when Let's I'm ready, business. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> So yeah, I'm like, we're, we're done now. Cause I said to my husband, I'm like, listen, if we had another baby, it's going to be a Walmart baby. Like seriously, uh, I won't even make it home. I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy, mm-hmm. man. And then there's like cervix like mine that just takes days and days and days. Mm-hmm. I always told my husband we should have another one because I kind of want to like know what my cervix would do now that it's We're done still it. holding out you know that there will be another heat and baby <laughs> yeah it's not like a mic it not like i know but i'm still <laughs> you know you know my plan yes <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so okay so c-section breach v-back unassisted mm-hmm. unplanned home birth v-back after mm-hmm. the second v-back oh my gosh mm-hmm. Holy smokes. What a ride. Yeah. What a ride. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing. And I do, oh, I really, wow. I know we have a few more minutes. I would love to talk more mm-hmm. about the coaching. Like, 
Tell yeah. us more about what you're learning and how people could find that or how you found that yeah. and how we can find yeah. you and all and of how it's different mm -hmm. from, from doula from support. being a doula. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How it's, how mm -hmm. it varies. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I trained with, um, the birth coach method that's called. So, um, my teacher was called Neri Life Choma. And so she was a doula for years and then trained to be a life coach. And then so she's merged birth support work with life coaching. So it's different than what a, you know, a doula would provide because it's not about giving information about birth, although you, you can if, if your client requests that, but it's more about getting to her kind of belief system about what she holds true about birth and you're you're using coaching tools and asking really strong questions to kind of get to to planning um, your healthy your your most optimal birth experience so normally I guess a doula would offer maybe two or three prenatal visits and one or two postnatal I'm not sure there's a range but so for coaching, it would be like six prenatal visits of one hour long and two postnatal. So we're really like getting a full picture of where she is in her pregnancy. So things around like relationships um, with support systems, um, nutrition, health, and just getting a full picture and where you know, where she's doing, you know, where she's thriving and, and where there's challenges and kind of ways that we can come up with establishing goals for how she, she can be like at a 10 for in a certain area, as opposed to like, you know, a five or, you know, so how can we get her feeling empowered? And, and then also there's a, there's a component of just like understanding her reality, you know, what sort of health conditions she has or, what sort of like if she has, has any kind of personal issues or or anything that's kind of getting in the way of her reaching her goals so then then you can work on finding different options to reach her goals and then just like with coaching um, like life coaching there's always an action there's always action steps there's always a way forward so the coach is is helping the client to stay accountable to their goals and so when you're um working with your client, most likely in the third trimester, you're giving an action assignment and then you're checking in with them to say, you know, how are you doing with, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's just really about empowering and inspiring the client as opposed to teaching or educating because it's not about giving more information. It's kind of about pulling back the layers of yourself to see what, what you hold true within you. That's interesting. So do you attend the birth or not? Well, there's, you know, either can you way. Can that option? Like, can yes. they be like, okay, I really want to. But it's not necessarily, like, it's not yeah. necessarily part of what a birth coach would do unless mm -hmm. you, you're specifically requested for that, right? Or is that what yeah. I'm understanding? Yes. Yeah. And that's it. And I think it's an interesting time right now because of COVID and, you know, there's a lot of, well, it's, you know, some hospitals can have doulas, some can't, you know, there's just, there's so much confusion, right? So I think it's, it's a nice alternative at the moment to then get all the support that you need to feel ready. But even if the doula cannot be there to attend your birth, right? 
Sounds like a really um, valuable tool set to have, like even as a doula. I've I've heard it said by uh, one of our midwives that have been on our podcast before, they're like, two prenatal visits as a doula is just not enough. Like, it's just not enough. It, mm-hmm. um, and I always end up, not always, sometimes I don't, but I usually end up spending a lot more time with my clients than like the one hour, two one hour or two one and a half hour prenatal visits because especially with VBAC, you know, there's just so much to do mm-hmm. that like to, I just, ah, I don't know. I've been trying to, I've been trying to really hard how to reconcile that and how to, anyways, I'm, I'm not going to brain dump right now on you, but it sounds mm-hmm. like this could be a way to kind of supplement that and help add value to what you're bringing to the birth community and, and your individual clients. And maybe they don't want to do it at their birth, but they do want some help figuring out what birth looks like and feels like to them and how to gain that confidence. It sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is really cool. And I think it's like, um, like, uh, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, when people didn't really know what a doula was and they're like, what's a doula. I think it seems like it's that kind of way with, with birth support coaching. I mean, nobody, you know, people are like, what is that? I've never heard of that. Right. So we're just working on trying to get the the word out so people know that it's um, it's available, right? So, just in the early stages, but um, well, and that's I'm really, really cool because excited. you could like yeah. technically take clients all over the world. I just supported, a, yeah, <laughs> kind of supported, yeah, informally, formally, informally, uh, somebody in India last night and through the, uh, like into the night to have her V back because she didn't feel comfortable because she knew all the doulas in her area and she didn't feel comfortable having one of them be her doula. And so I was just across on Facebook messenger, like helping her feel supported until her team got there. Maybe I'm saying too much information because it's illegal to have home birth in the country that she's birthing mm-hmm. in. And so okay. um, I think I already said the name of the country anyways, but so it was a really cool experience to be able to kind of be involved that way, even though she's like halfway around the world for me. And so it sounds like something that can be done virtually as well, where you don't necessarily even need to be in person. Yeah. Is that right? Like, is that, yeah. part of, I don't know if that's part of the program. Yeah. I know that there's so, a specific training. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Super, super yeah. cool. I'll have to check yeah. that out. Awesome. Well, thank you so yeah. much for sharing all of your amazing stories. And questions. Oh, yes. Guess what? I always forget. Okay. We have questions for you. We asked in um, your submission when you submitted. I don't know if you remember asking them, but one of them is, what is a secret lesson or something no one really talks about that you wish you would have known ahead of time when preparing for birth? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So for for my first birth, it's definitely the importance of a supportive birth team, hands yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. For and sure. um, yeah, for sure. That would be my answer. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then the other one is what is your best tip for someone preparing for a VBAC? So I think uh, my best tip is is really like sitting with and, and um, naming your emotions that you have about you know, any emotional uh, scars that you have after your C-section, because I think the emotional healing is unexpected. And, uh, and I think it takes, it takes time. It takes quite a lot of time. And I think that 
really pointing out those negative emotions and naming them and and really sitting with them and, and being able to talk about your birth story and be you know held and and validated in all of your feelings right and not brushed off by you know the, the classic healthy baby yeah that's the best outcome you know definitely yeah. yeah. And I think, um, working through all of those things prior can really help the next birth, like just in general, like go smoother. And cause for me, there's a lot of stuff I actually didn't realize I hadn't worked through. And then I had to work through it right then in labor. And yeah. it was really hard to have to like backpedal a little bit, you know, to, mm-hmm. to work through all of that. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. You are just darling. And we're so glad that you were with us today. Oh, thank you so much. It was nice talking with you. Thank you for having me, Julie and Megan. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.